What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Pod. Super glad to have you guys, um, you know, back here again and connect with you guys. Um, it's been a while. A lot of things have transpired. I feel like I say that every episode, uh, you know, in between we make these. A lot of things happen, obviously, NBA day to day. Um, super excited to catch up on all of that. Um, hope everyone's having a great day in May. Um, you know, playoffs are coming up, slowly approaching. The end of the season is literally here. The The season ends in four days, um, and I cannot be excited. I was having a, a debate with my friends earlier, and we were talking about uh, March Madness hype versus NBA playoff round one hype. Obviously, no one except hoop heads care about, you know, the playoffs, the first round. Everyone knows who's going to win, but I just think there's so much excitement towards that. You got the best basketball teams, the best 16 teams, all going at it for multiple games at a time. So many storylines in every single series. Um, I, I'm just so fascinated. It's my favorite time of the year um, as we whittle down and, and get, a, get a champion. So um, a lot of things happening. Seeding is going crazy right now um, as, we, as we come down in the final days. Um, you know, uh, the Knicks are, are finally going to the NBA playoffs. I know a lot of fans are excited about that. That's super excited. P- people are clinching, um, uh, you know, seeds and, and trips to the playoffs while people are, you know, slowly being eliminated. The New Orleans Pelicans being one that was eliminated yesterday. Um, and, you know, we'll whittle it down uh, from there. Uh, you know, obviously, wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't talk about, you know, the Lakers at the beginning of this, um, you know, and two other teams as well, which would be Dallas and Portland, all in that five, six, seven spot, right? Um, you know, they're all tied or either one game out. And unfortunately, the Lakers lost the tiebreaker um, to both those teams. So they are kind of, you know, more than likely going to end up in that playing tournament, uh, barring a miracle um, and winning two games. So, uh, you know, a lot of jokes being thrown around, you know, with, with our, with our team and not being healthy and like, you know, being the seventh seed and potentially being upset by Steph, a lot of buzz going around there. So it's really exciting for, for all parties involved. Um, you know, the sun's still maintaining an edge, the jazz getting back healthy. Hopefully Mitchell will, uh, you know, come back to form the Clippers, you know, kind of, kind of on a streak here, getting, getting into form. They should definitely be a, a team. Everyone should be watching out for and, uh, Christoph Porzingis coming back was really important. Uh, he was the second game back last night. So, uh, really, really hyped there. Um, this is going to be another, uh, fan series. Uh, you, you know, the, we've had a lot of success with this series. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for everyone tuning in on our last two episodes. I really enjoy, uh, making these it's honestly, so amazing to hear different perspectives. You can get so entrapped with your own fan base, your own community, your own side of the league that learning about others and how people, other people view sports around the country um, are so, you know, just the same way as passionate as you, but from a different perspective um, and representing a different city. So I'm glad you guys are enjoying these and um, you know, we're going to swing it over to the East coast. This team actually uh, clinched a, a playoff spot recently. So congratulations to that team. Um, they're on the East coast. They're definitely on the rise, you know, have a franchise player as of lately, uh, and collected a lot of talent. I would say, you know, when, um, you know, last season tipped off, I think they were probably my top three, top two, maybe teams that did the best in the off season. Um, the uh, accumulation of talent was just insane. Um, and the fact that they made it all work, had a slow start, made, made a couple changes and, you know, they're, they're right there in playoff contention. So today we're going to be talking about the Atlanta Hawks. I'm very excited for them down, down in, uh, uh, you know, George over there. And, uh, you know, I'm going to introduce one of my really good friends. Uh, We've known each other since middle school, which is crazy. 
he's from Georgia, from Atlanta, uh, from, from the heart itself. And I, I couldn't think of anyone else to talk, uh, talk Hawks basketball and teach me a little bit about the history of them uh, than the one and only uh, Miles Drive. Miles, thanks for so much for coming on the podcast, man. Well, first of all, Shub, thank you for having me. And so the people know, <clears throat> I'm just a guy, okay? This is Shub's show. He's running it. Here we go. Um, I, it's amazing to be on this growing platform at such as its early stages. But one day, the Uncharted is going to be right up there with JRE, you know? I'm, I'm trying. Hey. Kind words. Kind words, as always. <laughs> we're, we're putting in the work, man. But uh, yeah, so I, I, the Atlanta Hawks have been, have been my team since birth. I'm from Atlanta. I moved to Phoenix about five years ago. I uh, came out here for college at Arizona State. Um, I've kept my fandom true to the heart, man. Hawks through and through. I can I can confirm. Can confirm since the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a bandwagon Suns fan. I know you listen. Number one, number two seed right now. Okay, all right. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a Suns fan, little bit because I've been here for five years. Once you reach that five year mark, I feel like it's okay. You I get start it. Start to be a fan of that. I get it. Mm-hmm. But no, 95 percent Hawks. Here we go. Love that. Love that. Love that. And so yeah, man. I can think back. We were like just getting into basketball. I, I can remember the early days, man. Like we would get fantasy teams and draft players and in the second third fourth round you would draft like uh you know the best player at the hawks at the time josh smith was going like you know top 25 at the time with his numbers and i was like what are you doing and uh somehow some way you always made it pay off uh you were jamal crawford's biggest supporter um and always (laughs) making a name for himself so um obviously there's no one else to talk hawks with um i definitely wanted to dive into like what you sort of mentioned there um, but first of all, how, how is life? You mentioned you're, you're living in Phoenix. Uh, how, how is, how is the heat right now? I'm sure you're, uh, probably preparing, you know, for the summer, which is kind of like dangerous time for you guys. It, it doesn't make any sense because it's the first week of May, second week of May, whatever it is. It's already hundred degrees. Okay. Jesus Christ. And, uh, people like to say it's a dry heat. You know, it's better than humidity. It, it, it's 120 degrees in July. Okay. That's oh all the people my need to know. Goodness. That's all the people need to know. All right. Are like, are in like most apartment complexes are like the ACs like pretty much shot. Like I'm sure that's like a major so problem in July. If, uh, if, if it's summertime in Phoenix by law, if yeah. the AC goes out, you are entitled to free rent for that day or wherever wow. your AC is out. Yeah. It's like, wow. a, a, it's like a state of emergency essentially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't imagine. 120 is yeah. un, unheard of. So I, I can't believe it, but, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. you've been, you've been coping well for, for five years years now that's fantastic um before we get into the hawks of course like I'll, I'll we can talk about it for a minute or so but this season's been crazy from a son's perspective just tell me like the the kind of sense you're getting for, like in the community uh as you've seen this team progress and do well tell me a little bit about the buzz uh rather than like obviously what we've seen on the court what, what's been the buzz around where, where you've been living at with this yeah team? yeah yeah great question man so uh, i'll tie it back into this when i was i was selling solar panels door to door earlier this year and Often I would see little sun's flags or something in somebody's front yard indicating oh, yeah. they're a sun's fan. So I'd spark up a little conversation with them, try and build some rapport. Sun's fans out here this year in this very moment are the most excited I've ever seen them over oh, the yeah. past five years since I've been living here. As obviously. they should be. Yeah. Right. And part of me from an Atlanta perspective or just an NBA perspective doesn't really think the Suns are a true contender. Yeah. Just because of star power you need chris paul devin booker great yeah. versus lebron james anthony davis Kawhi leonard paul george like are they really going to be there with them at the very end yeah um but these these true Suns fans man who have been living here for decades who grew up here they truly believe they have a shot to win the title this year wow and i'm all for it man i, I look i respect that 
yeah. wholeheartedly. Hey, things can happen. You never know. Things can happen. The, the Miami really? Heat, the Miami Heat were not where they're supposed to be as per uh, projection. So you never know. Uh, won't rule it out, but glad uh, glad where you're living at is a you know a happy town for basketball purposes. Um, but yeah, man, we're here to talk Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you know, I feel like they've been popularized as of late. Uh, by three people we're going to get into much later trey young uh quavo and two chains like like those guys uh the fact that quavo is such a baller like on the court himself uh really helps uh i think the brand as well um that's 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 super exciting and so i I definitely want to take it back um we've known each other bro since the sixth grade um tell me what you remember um like since you started watching this team being from atlanta um and and your earliest moments as a hawks fan I'll be honest, man. My earliest moment as a Hawks fan was that took place in California. My yeah. dad took oh, me yeah. to a Lakers game uh, back in, I think it was 07. Oh, wow. And uh, the Hawks did not win that game against the Lakers. <laughs> Joe Johnson went off, though. Insane. And I will never forget how he and Kobe were legit going at it in the fourth Back quarter. and forth. Yeah, Insane. I think the Lakers won by like six or seven. They just pulled okay. away at the end. Yeah. But that was an incredible memory for me. Amazing. Um, Joe Johnson, I saw Joe, man, watching him early on in the, in, when we were in middle school, yeah. it was crazy. And, and yes, I would draft Joe Johnson very early in fantasy <laughs> drafts, but not just fantasy drafts either, association drafts in 2K. Let's association drafts in 2K. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, man, I, I think that that's such a phenomenal story because, um, you, you know, just repping where, where you came from, like being in California, going to that local town and, and seeing someone stand out in, in that sense, going up against the best at the time, like being Kobe. Um, I always say like in the competitor wise, like there's two people that come to mind that that gave Kobe the business when I was watching him in his second prime. Uh, it was Joe Johnson and Monte Ellis. And this guy, Joe Johnson could score with the best of them. And honestly, like doesn't get brought up enough in those clutch moments. So take me through um, that kind of roster. So obviously just, I'll let you continue the story pretty much that Laker game kind of prompted your sort of fandom. You, you fell in love with Joe Johnson. Tell me a little bit more about the roster construction uh, and the leadership that you saw from Joe Johnson to, you know, kind of, kind of rise in that team. Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably the most underrated player to be on that Hawks team. Oh, seven, Oh eight was our best shooter besides Joe Johnson. And that was Mike Bibby. Yeah. People forget that he was on the Hawks that year. Um, we had Josh Smith too. He was like a stretch four. He was a horrible shooter, but he still shoot it quite often. Mm-hmm. Um, but Mike Bibby was, is, is somebody I've always enjoyed watching. And I know he's actually uh, living in Phoenix. He coaches high school basketball now oh, yeah. in, uh, in the desert. Cool. Um, but that Hawks team was crazy, man. Growing up with, with, Iso Joe, Mike Bibby, Josh Smith, Marvin Williams was on that team. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of hung around in the I know he's I don't know if he's on the Hornets still, but he's Could hung be. around yeah. in the NBA. Um, dude, it it, it it was a team built around ISO Joe and they yeah. obviously never won an NBA championship with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the roster construction, I think they kind of maxed out their yeah. potential for a for a good five year period 100%. around Joe Johnson. We could, we could definitely talk about that era. Um, you, you were kind of, the Hawks were a successful team. So you, you became a fan in 07. We could talk about, you know, 09, 10, 11, things like that. You guys were a constant second round threat. Um, just take me through when you were watching. When it's, it's a compliment, I swear. I swear. It's, I know. I'm looking at it. You I made know. it, you made the second round. That's a good thing. Um, yeah. 
That was crazy. For like um, 10 years in a row, too. 10 years. No, the yeah. consistency is unreal. Oh, you, yeah. You, 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 uh, you made it to the playoffs for 10 years in a row. It's, it's, it's really remarkable. And so t- take me through like in the regular season, um, you know, the ebbs and flows of, you know, the games. Like when you were watching Hawks game back then with, with those kinds of guys you were mentioning, Johnson and Smith as a tandem, kind of being in that middle of the pack range. At any given night, what were you sort of expecting as a fan? And, and, and what were your, what, where was your confidence at with, with that team early on? Look, the Hawks had a chance to win every game they played in. Yeah. And it wasn't just because of those two. Al Horford was a of stud defensively yeah. uh, coming right out of Florida, too. I mean, great, great pick. Obviously, she was in Atlanta for about a decade before he yeah. moved on. Um, but I think the Hawks had a chance to win every game. They finished slightly above 500, I think, early on, uh, 07, 08, 09. They picked it up a little bit more. Um, but consistently got into that first round if they avoided lebron in the first round they were oh yeah fine Honestly, yeah for the most part fine and then in the second round when lebron came around yeah and write it all off you know stuff stuff went to shit yeah a little bit yeah like we beat the magic <laughs> in five or six games it'd be a really cutthroat series we'd beat the pacers pacers would beat us sometimes and yeah whenever the Cavs came around man no fun for me yeah but um but yeah it it, it consistency for sure um i think they could have done a, a better job towards the end of of once joe johnson was gone maybe 2012 2013 yeah um they, they could have done a better job of drafting i think and they've obviously done a much better job of that very recently but of course uh, but the front office had a lot of turnover and and that kind of took away from the consistency later on but absolutely fun. yeah no i get that um and so you know the you guys you guys uh let off of uh, joe johnson a little bit it was time for a new kind of era we're talking about uh you know the kyle corvers of the world the dennis schroeder uh was drafted there um in 2013 mike muscala right james ennis cunningham paul Millsap, of course who's a atlanta hawks staple um just sort of talk about the differences between the between the two eras because obviously you're maturing and learning more about the game of basketball yourself if you can compare the kind of the two styles and the cultures of those rosters, like mm-hmm. what, what was the main glaring difference uh, between those teams? Yeah. I think actually I would, I would say there's been three eras over three. the past yeah. 15 years. Yeah, so yeah. you had, you had the ISO Joe era and then he had that name for a reason. And then you had the whole team era, right. Team Where era. Okay. 2014 to 2017, you know, there was a month, I think it was February, 2015 where mm-hmm. all five Atlanta Hawks starters won player of the month. That's insane to me. That's, yep. that's insane yep. to me. And Jeff that was the year, the four, four, four all-stars. That was that year, right? Yeah. 2015. Jeff T, Kyle Corver, Damari Carroll, Paul Millsap, Al Horford. Yes. And it, it was such a team. Like the ball was whipping. Mike Budenholzer was the head coach. And it showed 60 game season. Are you kidding me? 60 wins in a season? Like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. At the mm-hmm. time, I can tell you right now, like when, when the Hawks, got selected for all-stars no one was questioning it like 60 games that's nothing to sniff at and everyone was deserving and maybe you know years later you kind of look back and like okay it's a little questionable wouldn't be done now but i mean yeah but even in numbers that season don't lie where they won, yeah even when that 60 game season the 60 win season happened a lot of people did not expect the hawks to do anything in the playoffs oh, until they yeah. got to the conference championship again lost to lebron fine yeah. we get it but i think uh the, the the aura of that team and the expectations that team had given the fact that they have four all-stars and just, you know, a great coach, great ball movement, everything. Yeah. Still couldn't get past the broad. So 
the, the differences between that team and the era with Joe Johnson, I think were huge. Like they, they realized, okay, ISO Joe's not here anymore. He's not yeah. the easiest player in the world to replace. Um, so let's kind of go for a, a, a team idea that that's going to be our new ideology, right? We're, we're going to yeah. have five solid players and a, and a pretty deep bench. We're going to yeah. see how far that can go. Absolutely. Um, so as a Hawks fan, it was fun to watch because I, I could tell that they were actually trying to do something different that could maybe take them from the second round to the finals. And I appreciated that. Um, a lot of teams, I think, especially nowadays, they've been doing the same kind of shit for yeah. five, seven years. And they're, you know, they're not really going anywhere. They're not going up. They're not going down. I think Indiana is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, but it, 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 the fact that they were able to tr- literally go out and try something entirely different uh-huh. Go out and get Paul Millsap. Go out and get the shooter, Kyle Korver, Damari Carroll. Yeah. Player. Um, I appreciated that. And then, of course, the third era, drafting Trey Young. Of course, yeah. His rookie season was a disaster, but he was so electric and fun to watch. Potential was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely want to get into that third era. Um, you know, you, I, you said something really interesting there where, you know, a lot of teams, you're right, are stuck kind of in this mediocrity. And, I mean – 10, 10 playoff appearances straight look fantastic. Um, I remember like that's kind of comparable to the Houston Rockets uh, kind of on, on, on the Western side of things, but you know, there's also the other side. It's like, why not more? Right. And you mentioned one of the reasons for that, which is LeBron James. Um, but from an off season perspective, what in your mind, when you were, when during those times, uh, what was kind of keeping away in terms of a, a GM perspective, an off season acquisition perspective was keeping the Hawks from that one player away or two player away, uh, kind of, kind of jump. Uh, really good question. I think free agency is, it played a big part in that. Um, the Hawks, it, it, listen, Atlanta is not a small city, right? It's exactly, uh, it, it's a growing city. It always has been but it's, it's not a small city. However, the Atlanta Hawks kind of feel and have for some time felt like a small market team. Um, Dive into that a little bit more because especially in the NBA, like people, people regard Atlanta as like one of the hubs. Obviously it's not close to the uh, LA or New York, but it's comparable to a Dallas or a Seattle. Like what, why is that? So in my opinion, I think Atlanta's got in terms of culture and demographics, it's, it's very diverse. Yeah. People, people who live in Atlanta, you normally they weren't born there. They moved here yeah. from New York, moved here from California, moved there from Texas. Um, I was born there, so I got to kind of grow up in, in my t- childhood and see that before I moved out to California. Um, but the fact that people would come here and, and already be a Knicks fan or yeah. already be a Mavericks fan, be like, okay, well, Atlanta has a basketball team too. I guess I could pull for the Hawks a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, so they never. So Atlanta, I, I don't think has as many truly diehard hoops fans yeah. as they should, given the size of the city the and city. The market they're in, right? I mean, the next closest NBA team in proximity to Atlanta is a copy Charlotte or this. Yeah. So they have, you know, enough people to be like, oh, we, we should be a huge market. We should be able to attract all these free agents. But I don't think it ever happened because it felt like such a small market team Wow. And superstars, even LeBron, when he was making his first decision, went to Miami. I, yeah. I would, I was dying for the Hawks to go get him. Yeah. And I don't even think the Hawks tried that hard to get him because they just knew he wouldn't come. Right. Wow. Miami's Incredible. right there in, on the beach. You got all the money in the world. You got all the exposure you could ever want. Um, 
I think a takeaway though, and a, it's something I've noticed in a change to that regard yeah. is the entertainment industry in Atlanta has, has kind of taken off oh, yeah. so much of the past, I think even three to five years. Hip hop being a, a huge foundation of that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they're filming way more movies in Atlanta too, because it's just so expensive to do it in California. Um, and I think that, like you mentioned Quavo and 2 Chains earlier. Yeah. Like the, the exposure the Hawks are getting from the entertainment industry. That's the just the surface. Yeah. Has really helped the Hawks. I think. Incredible. Um, on social media too. I, I've noticed the Hawks social media exponentially grow uh, this past three seasons. Yeah. Compared to, you know, back in 2012 when Joe Johnson was playing. And I know social media is different now than it was then, but, but still, and I, I think the exposure and the excitement around Atlanta yeah. um, has, has, has taken off a lot more in the past three years because of the entertainment. Industry. And does it, and does it feel different though, from the last time, you know, excitement was there first, the excitement from the team ball you were describing to now this third era, as you described, is the excitement different because of the reasons you described? And do you think that can lead to, you know, more allure from, from an NBA player perspective to come out there? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think another big reason for that is the quality of our best player and not necessarily on the court, but the image Trey Young has um, just around the NBA and the amount of people who know who Trey Young is, I think is a lot higher than the amount of people who really knew who Joe Johnson was. Yeah. Um, obviously, Joe Johnson was a freaking stud. Incredible. But people would people would look at Joe Johnson and be like, yeah, he's really good, obviously an all star, but not going to do anything yeah because trey young is so young pun not intended yeah um, he people realize like wow this kid could actually be a fucking superstar agreed agreed and that has drawn so much excitement people in atlanta they view trey young as a king like yeah. him and 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 ronald lacuna jr on the bridge yeah. like those two those two players bro it, it, they can eat crazy. anywhere for free anywhere yeah. for free <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway uh but but the fact that they're actually young can can show people and fans in Atlanta like hey the Hawks actually have so much room to grow from here exactly and, makes and, sense uh, yeah so I, I think it's that that's a huge takeaway for yeah you. no I like that a lot you, you said a lot of great things there and it also helps that Trey has been drafted or at least started his career from the Hawks all the way through right you're acquiring yeah. Joe Johnson from either Phoenix or Boston I, I'm not sure where he came from was it i think it was phoenix at the time he was playing with steve nash and you know while he spent you know the majority of his career here and he will forever always be remembered as a atlanta hawk first before brooklyn net um there there was i feel like joe johnson could be in the conversation of best player ever that wasn't your franchise player like that's how electric he was like in that conversation of top 10 like that like he was you give him the ball all the time but i I think you're you're alluding into it too like that leadership kind of aspect like never kind of came to him like you know he was just came in did his job dropped his 26 and like you know went home kind of very quiet very quiet person on and off the court so if you're gonna have a best player who's not necessarily a leader agreed uh, that that could have a whole string of consequences that good and bad but exactly um, yeah so go ahead i was just gonna say like if you look at his we're talking joe johnson here for a second not to get off track is just you know, I think that's why um, Bobby Marks and the and the Nets organization made that move to get a Pierce, to get a Garnett 
thinking it would work because you need more uh, leaders um, in that locker room to go for the championship in that 2013 season. Uh, D. Will was doing his thing, but not necessarily a leader, as we heard stories after he retired. Joe Johnson, we just discussed. So, you know, people were in bigger markets, like you're describing, made that kind of attempt because, you know, that, that kind of personality was clear from Johnson. Yeah, and, and Joe Johnson, in theory, was probably a really good fit on that Nets team. It's just a shame Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett were so out of their prime. It didn't, so out didn't of it. work. Yeah. It just did work. But the fact that Joe Johnson actually had the ability to close games, and I know that sounds crazy, but a lot of really solid players, and even in today's NBA, they struggle to close games. Yeah. They can't hit that big they shot can't. in the last 20, 30 seconds of the game. Not at um, all. Joe Johnson was somebody who could do that with consistency. And um, you know maybe the team around him didn't have that same quality, but it's, it's weird because it's contradictory. He wasn't the greatest leader, I think, on the team. He wasn't yeah. the loudest voice, but he could close games. And that's something that most leaders in the NBA do have, too. Insane. Uh, so that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, quick question for you. How many games does this current Hawks roster – we're jumping around a lot. This current, current Hawks roster with the backcourt of prime Joe Johnson and current Trey Young win? You're salivating at the mouth just thinking about it. In a 72 win or a game 82. Season? Let's do 82. 82. Let's do 82. Uh, they definitely win 55. 55? I was going to say 55, yeah. 60. Yeah. yeah. With the East being better now. But yeah, that, like, think about it. Like, think of that perfect fit almost right there for that team. Like, so yeah. much talent around, but just that that closing guy when Trey doesn't have it, maybe um just to go to like can you imagine mm -hmm. like a few more wins off that so just a food for thought right there um but yeah man like that, that's fantastic and so you know you you draft a couple down years right to obviously get that that draft pick you know being trey young um you were excited in that draft um let's let's take it back to that i think it was the 2018 draft um or 2019 if i'm mistaken um you have the third pick um and you don't draft Trey Young, but you end up with Trey Young. You, your team announces Luka Doncic. What is going through your head? What were you hoping for? What were the projections? And, and what were you just sort of going through when you're watching that? This is my opportunity to, Go ahead. Deceive, to deceive the people, but <laughs> I can't do that. And oh, I have okay. to be completely honest. I was not a fan of Trey Young coming out of college. Yeah. I, was, I didn't think he'd be a bust, but I really wanted Luka. I really, yeah. really did. And, um, you know, looking back, it, 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 it's, it's clearly like, yeah, Luca's really good, but so is Trey. Um, yeah. When Trey was at Oklahoma, he'd be doing this crazy shit, Steph from half court, and he yeah. was an amazing passer. I think Oklahoma lost in the first round of um, that March Madness tournament, if I'm remembering correctly. But I still wasn't a huge fan. I didn't think his yeah. shots would translate to the NBA. I thought he was too small. I thought he wasn't quick enough. But the, what I think really, really helped Trey transition to the NBA, especially in his rookie year, was his ability to pass the ball. Because okay. he would draw double teams, and then his ability to pass, find the open guy, that's why he averaged nine assists his rookie year. Um, but, yeah, I, I really wanted Luca. <laughs> I just have to be honest with you there. Yeah. Um, However, I think looking back, I'm glad we have Trey, despite how good Luca is too. It's just a better fit, I think, for Atlanta. I can't picture Luca in a freaking Hawks jersey, you know? Yeah, you can. You see those cursed draft images of these players working out for the team. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. I saw one the other day of Trey in a Knicks jersey. You made me throw up. Oh, God. 
But um, yeah, that that draft was insane. And remember, the Hawks when they did make that swap to go get Trey, they got an extra pick out of that. They did. They did. Mm-hmm. Three to five. You're trading down. Um, and so that that works out. You, you you touched on his rookie season a lot. A lot of questions were being thrown his way. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now. 19 and eight in pretty much all all but one game in 81 games. Uh, 31 mm-hmm. minutes a game. Uh, four assists and. That 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 stands out to me because it's changed. The game has changed so much to where I, I can't remember the last time a, a franchise put the ball literally first year in in a point guard rookie rookie's hand and say go do your thing. And you're seeing you're seeing the four turnovers, which, which is to come. But that's just alarming to me. Um, but it just goes to show like where the Hawks were at the time. As a rookie, I, I think the the biggest position with the longest transition period is point guard. For yeah. sure. Oh, 100%. Every rookie point guard requires a massive learning curve compared yeah. to other positions, in my opinion. If you're a center, you're seven feet tall, you're just going to yeah. step in there, you know, catch passes, dunk the ball for the most part, set screens, do some pick and roll action. That's great. But as a point guard, and I just heard Trey uh, uh, talk about this in his interview after the game last night when they beat the Wizards. Yeah. He was talking about how much the game has slowed down for him yeah. since his rookie year. Oh, yeah. And as, as any, any young point guard will progress through your early years in their career, it's going to slow down for them. And that'll lower that turnover ratio. Trey still turns the ball over like crazy. But <laughs> yeah. It's also because he's throwing up like 15 lobs a game. You know? Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, so, I actually wanted to touch on that point and I'll let you continue on that because uh, season one to season two, I want to talk about your thoughts into that summer uh, after his rookie season. So we're talking summer 2019, a 10 point increase for the 10.5 point increase next season up to nine assists a game. Not only is he an all-star, he's an all-star starter. He is like, not literally, but what the NBA is telling its fans and everyone who watches it, this is the best point guard in the Eastern conference voted by fans. So something happened. The game really fucking slowed down for, for Trey to be that uh, improved. Just talk about that and what you were seeing from that electric season from Trey Young. Yeah, well, even you know, he still was a point guard, but I yeah. think the quality of the players around him were just, was just so bad, so yeah. so bad. He yeah. so as a point guard, yes, he had the ball in his hands. You won twenty five games last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So sense. he he was really really looking to score the ball, and because he's such a special scorer and such special. an amazing shooter, he would draw so many other defenders to him that he would just be able to dish the ball out to one of his shitty teammates and see what happens. Yeah, but Trey was very vocal in that 2019 season about the team around him, yeah. and he he caused the, you know pretty. I, I, in my opinion, he was one of the biggest factors in the front office turnover and going to get Travis Schlenk out of Golden State to be our new GM. Wow, he's done an amazing job. Clearly, drafting since over the past couple of years, um, but one actually now that I mentioned Travis Schlenk, he apparently I was reading up on this was the biggest loudest voice in the warriors draft room when they wow. took clay okay when they took he clay. knows what he's doing yeah yeah, yeah. so Facts. apparently other other people in the golden state front office are like we already have steph let's yeah. go get a big man let's go get somebody to do some pick and roll with steph travis like was like no 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 clay thompson is special we're gonna so get so obviously i guess i mean it's a self-explanatory question is it like kind of i mean yeah so it's, it's a pretty easy question but just sort of talk me through like 
we've been bad for this long. Like what, what sparked, like, this is the year, like I need something done from an ownership perspective. Why not suck for another two years, collect assets? What, what happened? Like literally what ha- caused this jump? Uh, not the jump yet, uh, but the, the, the motivation to go and acquire X, Y, and Z asset. Like wh- where did it come from? New ownership. Yeah. Exactly. That's where that came from. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the previous ownership was, was content with the money they were making. And I think that's all they really cared about. And that goes back to the mediocrity point that you're saying that I think a lot of teams that don't get talked about and which is the reason they don't get talked about are, are, are in that point, but yeah, continue. Yeah. Yeah. The the entire trajectory of the franchise changed uh, in 2017 or it really was 2016 when the new ownership started to transition into the Hawks. Grant Hill was a part of that for a brief second and then he's not anymore, but Mm -hmm. that's just to attach a a name to the story. But Yeah. um, yeah, the new ownership has been crazy. Like, they are all about winning and they are, they actually realize the logistics of this. If you're going to win games and you're going to possibly make the NBA finals over sometime over the next three to five years, you're going to make a shit ton of money in doing so. Exactly. I think the previous ownership didn't realize they were just, uh, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll go out. We'll win 45 ish. Yeah. yeah. You know, we're not going to sell out a whole lot of games at all, but we're going to, you know, rake in the cash that, we're supposed to break in. I think that's so crazy. Like just to interject for a second, because like you explained it too, because when you say, when you compare the previous ownership to new ownership, the previous ownership is looking at those Hawks versus Knicks games, Hawks versus Mavericks games, and seeing those fans from other teams that you talked about that the allure isn't there because everyone comes to Atlanta that you were talking about versus now ownership and you, you bring up the entertainment perspective, you bring up, you know, the potential, the, the, the ceiling uh, can be broken. You know, I'm talking about it with the, the entertainment industry with Playbo, 2 chains, the social media team, you know, that kind of rise, it just goes to show like, it, it's a new era in Atlanta, like you're describing. I completely agree with you. And I think, um, I think Atlanta is actually become, going to become a model for other teams kind of stuck in this period of med- mediocrity. We mentioned Indiana, but I yeah. think really a, a much better example of, turning the corner is Charlotte. Oh yeah. The fact that they were, the, the fact that they had the balls to go out and take LaMelo right there. Oh, yeah. Michael Jordan said, Nope, we're going to get LaMelo. Yeah. That's turning the corner. Yeah. And uh, they, they, they I, I kind of wish I were a little bit of a, a Hornets fan too, because they are so fun to watch. So fun. So fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, man, it, it, the Hawks, the Hornets, like if you're, if you're going to play basketball, you, you got to be fun to watch to grow that fan base and to make it more exciting for, both the fans that you you have and, and, and then other fans around the NBA who aren't Hawks fans, they're going to pay more attention to the Hawks because they're more fun to watch. Yeah. Same with the Hornets. Pacers, I'm not sure I could say that. Yet, <laughs> but the fact that they went out and they got Karis LeVert. Yeah. It kind of shows me that they want to turn the corner too. And by, and by the way, and by the way, like you guys, you guys have that allure. And like we described the comp- your competitive advantage is the entertainment industry and that kind of uh, ambassadorship, if that's a word uh, that you're getting. Uh, just a special shout out to the the Hornets uh, competitive advantage. I think we both know who it is. It's their fucking uh, a color commentator, bro. Like that guy, that yeah. guy deserves a fucking raise immediately. Yeah. You know, Charlotte, not the sexiest city, but that guy does his job to a T and are bringing more people, like you're saying, to watch Hornets basketball um, on that yep. league pass. So, you know, uh, kudos to them. Got to give a shout out to them. We're on the subject of the Hornets. League pass gold, baby. That's Easy. right. Without a, <laughs> without a doubt. So that's fantastic. Um, yeah. So, um, Talk about, you know, you're, you're following this team. The, the offseason is crazy. Um, you know, you, you knew there was time for a change. 
you needed to see things done. Um, you were following, tell, walk me through every transaction that led into this year. Um, and what you were seeing, I, I was stunned. Like Hawks, Hawks are grabbing this. I knew you guys had cap space. We were tracking it all summer, um, but not that much cap space and able to utilize it to get that kind of quality talent who I thought would want more money. Just talk about how you were able to manage all that under new owners. Yeah. Well, it started at the trade deadline when yes, the okay. Hawks went out and got Clint Capella for practically free. Insane. So even yeah. though he was hurt and he didn't end up playing in 2019, we still had him. What a goal mine from Houston, no, like going, like you said, all out, you know, in that, into, and for you guys to be the ones to snag, snag that, just incredible. And I didn't even think he'd be as close to as good defensively as he is this year, like at all. At all. I, 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 when I was watching Capella in Houston, I thought he was an offensive center who would just, you know, right there with James Harden, catch Hobbs, do his yeah. thing, rebound the shit out of the ball. But the way he's been able to play defense and anchor the Hawks in the paint, on both ends really has been insane to watch. Um, so that was, that was one key move that kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. place before the summer. Big one. And here's the biggest one, man. Bogdan Bogdanovich. Wow. Slipped right out of Milwaukee. I don't even know how that happened. I don't even talk about a drama fest. Yeah. I don't think you do. Yeah, no, but he landed in the Hawks lap at a fucking steep discount. We only gave him 80 million. Yeah. Old season, million, he right? Yeah. But comparably, that's nothing in today's. It's really nothing. Yeah. With, with the rise. Player of his caliber. Yeah. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to go anywhere to say, um, you know, there's an analogy between Trey and Bogey and Steph and Clay. Yeah. But there, there's a, there's a little similarity there in terms of the backcourt firepower the Hawks are now able to have between those two. I mean, even last night, if, if anybody listening watched the Hawks-Wizards game, that one plus the one on Monday night, Bogdanovich was closing games right with Trey. Trey was looking for Bogdanovich yeah. to hit those open shots. As yeah. soon as the second man came to guard Trey, flip it out to Bogdan and let him do his thing. He's actually a really, really good playmaker. Yeah, I love watching him in Sacramento, too. Um, but it, I don't think anybody expected him to play as well as he has this year for the Hawks. And he's been integral to that backcourt, especially since players like Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter have been so snagged by injuries this year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think those were kind of the biggest gets for you guys. Um, Rondo kind of like a halfway, almost there kind of thing. Um, the sort of walk me through, maybe you can refresh my memory on this because there was always a John Collins kind of question, right? Because the extension was possible. Uh, you guys decided to play his season out. Um, looking at his numbers, he's played up to it, you know, pretty solid. Uh, I think he played up to expectations as you would with a dominant center coming in, as well as a couple other uh, guards and forwards with Gallinari and whatnot. Um, talk about him and, and his kind of question mark on the team and moving forward. Yeah, so I think similarly to Trey Young, John Collins had way too much on his plate before yeah. this year. Oh, yeah. And then Capella, Capella has helped him so much. Like, John Collins has been able to focus more on the offensive end where yeah. he truly thrives. Yeah. Um, and his three-point percentage has gone up. Not only that, but his three-point attempts have gone up too this year, John Collins. Um, so he's trying to stretch the floor because he knows Capella's down there to rebound. That's not something he was able to do before Capella came in because somebody had to be down there to guard the five and try and get a board. Mm. Um, it wasn't this week out kind of, you know, as soon as you shoot the ball, go get back on defense type of thing. So um, John Collins growth and the fact that he was able to kind of take a step back and let Capella control the paint yeah. has helped this team enormously. 
Um, I'm very glad the Hawks decided to let this season play out with mm-hmm. him under contract. I know it's a little bit worrisome for me that he could leave in free agency. Yeah. I don't think he wants to. It's still a possibility, though. Um, to be open and honest, I think John Collins is the most replaceable starter that we have. Mm. Tough to and say. I, 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 and and I, I mean that out of complete respect to John Collins, okay? Yeah. Um, he was a stud. I think we got him out of Wake Forest in the middle of the first round. I want to say like 17 to 20, somewhere in that range. Um, but he's exceeded all expectations since coming out of college. I hope he stays. I want him to stay. But if we want to put that money elsewhere, I think the Hawks can do that and still have some success moving forward. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No, I'm glad that got cleared up. And, and you, you bring up a good point. I think offensively with his athleticism too, like, are you kidding me? Like that that's truly where he thrives. Um, I'm looking at it right now, bro. You guys have nine guys on the season averaging double figures in scoring. Like I don't like, I don't like coming from a, a, a team that, has your stars and then everyone else like this is a, a dream come true like this is the definition of team ball if i'm looking at it um you, you talk about like talk about like you're just bench totality like we didn't mention danilo gallinari uh kevin herter like still remaining in the spot reddish right uh deandre hunter even though he's been hurt by injuries um and then lou williams like he came in at the deadline but always seems to get his 10 points i'm looking at it right now and find his way and pepper lou Always, he bro. Spark- he, he was the one who won that Wizards game for us last night. It okay. wasn't Trey. It wasn't Bogdan. When the uh, the Hawks were down 12 yeah. to open the fourth quarter, and Lemon Pepper Lou was the one running the team, and he started a 9-0 run, got us right back in the game before Trey came back for the end of the fourth quarter. That's what he does. Um, Closer. That's what he does, man. That's what he does. And he, you know he almost retired when the Clippers He did. Him. He did. He almost like, retired. He, he, took, he took like a whole week off to think about it, and he wow. was really, really close. Yeah, uh, but thankfully he decided to play for us, and he's doing his job. I can't wait to watch him in the playoffs, too, man. He's Love got that. that. He's got that clutch factor too. I'm telling you, it's gonna yeah, come to play. It is. Mm-hmm. How about the How about the other guys for you? The the names that I mentioned. How are they? Uh, how are they integrating? Yeah. Obviously, Trey's at the head of the snake, but how have you liked them? And obviously, with the success, successful season, something must have uh, uh, pointed out to you uh, on yeah. why they're successful. Yep, yep. DeAndre Hunter, I want to highlight because I forgot which Hawks player it was. I think it was Bogdanovich. Uh, he was quoted like a week ago saying that before DeAndre Hunter got hurt this season, he was the Hawks' best player. Wow, yeah. Hard to think about, right? They have Trey Young, they have Clint Capella, they have John Collins, but the importance DeAndre Hunter played on the def- defensive end guarding the other team's best player, it's so underrated. Yeah. And uh, thankfully he is just now getting healthy again, um, but he's been amazing. Kevin Herter has stepped up so much. I, I, I see Kevin Herter having the ball in his hands way more than he ever has. Yeah. Trey can trust Kevin Herter, you know, and, and he actually plays a little bit of defense too. Um, Gallinari can step in. I think he had like a, a two-week run in February, like right around the trade deadline where he was just going off. Crazy. Like just fucking crazy. Um, so he can hit shots. Everybody, it seems like, can stretch the floor. Um, it's a shame. I wish we would have gotten to see more of Cam Reddish this year because I think he yeah. was just so, so talented. <clears throat> Special. Um, yeah, but I think that might be a 2022 thing. So hopefully I can kind of see him grow this offseason and, and, and step up parts of his game that may have been lacking in terms of driving the ball, protecting the ball. Love that. Um, obviously his shooting too, but it, it does seem like a nine-man rotation at, at least. And it, it, you don't know 
who those points are going to come from on a, on a night on a given night box. yeah could be anybody yeah and so I, I really like that like you can have three of your key players have an off night and still have a shot to win the game love that love that i mean that again just goes back to team basketball and how the game should be played uh and your coach has those guys playing that way speaking of coaches um i, I did want to talk about the totality of the season because it wasn't all you know all happy happy days uh you, you know the entire season uh, you guys are playing well as of late but sort of talk to me about um your opinion on Lloyd Pierce uh you know he was there for the down days how he was handling the team from a coaching perspective did you feel in those down years and especially at the beginning of this year there was more he could be doing was there frustration there and then talk about the switch over to Nate McMillan and what you're noticing on the court with the two differences because the record shows it's night and day with the Atlanta Hawks with those two coaches Yep, I'll, I'll leave this up with a stat uh, the broadcast showed during the Wizards game last night. Since March 1st, when they made this transition between, from Lloyd Pierce and Nate McMillan, um, well, dirt, with Lloyd, Port, Lloyd Pierce through March 1st, the Hawks were dead last in the NBA in defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. Since March 1st, with Nate McMillan, second in the NBA in defensive efficiency. And that's not a small sample size either. I mean, we're talking two and a half months. Uh, point differential with Lloyd Pierce, minus 65. With yeah. Nate McMillan, plus 99. That's the best, best mark in the NBA since March 1st. Field goal percentage up from 43 to 47%. Three-point percentage up from 35 to 40%. Lloyd Pierce is a great guy. All respect to him. He's done a lot for the city of Atlanta off the court. Um, but the media, the local media, Atlanta has been lying to the people for some time now. Yeah. Trying to tell us that Lloyd Pierce is a good basketball coach. Yeah, he, he's not. He, I mean, he, he's really not a great basketball coach. Yeah. And uh, they asked the uh, uh, announcers asked Trey Young this in his postgame interview last night. What do you think could be attributed to the coaching switch? Like what happened there? And like they asked Trey the same thing last night. Me. Mm-hmm. Right what? after the Wizards game. That's they asked Trey the same yeah, question cool. you just asked me. And Trey was like, you could tell he, he didn't want to say the truth. Like, hey, you know, he doesn't really know basketball. Um, but he said the confidence that we've been able to play with since that coaching switch happened has, has taken off a cliff. Like it's just gone skyrocketed. Yeah. Um, that comes from inexperience, a coach that doesn't know how to give his team confidence in, in like that, that comes from like you not knowing if your system's going to work because how are you going to impose confidence in your team? If, if you don't, if you don't trust your own system, because you don't have experience that your system has worked mm-hmm. uh, because he hasn't been in winning environments. So it is tough to see, um, you know, you know, that happened to him, but Nate McMillan, uh, talk about him a little bit. Obviously it's happening under his helm. You spoke on the confidence. Uh, do you see him being there long-term and in the future? I hope so. I really hope so. I don't know why Portland and Indiana both got rid of him. I mean, the the guys also coached team USA assistant coach. Um, so he knows what he's doing and uh, yeah, I, I really hope the Hawks can maintain or keep him long-term because he's actually, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um, and it, that goes for both on the court stuff and closing games. I think only really good coaches can, can draw up those plays to, to close games out professionally and go out and get those wins in a tight fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there's a better coach for the Hawks right now, anywhere in the world besides Nate McMillan. He's perfect yeah. for us. Love that. Yeah. You can see in your record, there's numbers don't lie. I mean, you just, again, 25 the, and 11. Since, insane. Since with Nate McMillan. That's insane. Like a 67, I think that's a 67% like win percentage or something of that sort. So um, phenomenal. 
uh, right place, right time. Sometimes that's attributed to it. Um, like I said earlier, your uh, your Hawks have clinched a playoff spot. Congratulations, that is huge. After a few years in the dumps, um, and I also just want to highlight too, like the new ownership should deserve a lot of credit because you get these franchise players. Like it's almost I compare it to the Anthony Davis situation. You kind of have seven years with them. You know they want to be the franchise guy. They'll they'll put up with the losing. Um, but for Trey's career too, like for for someone to step in and take advantage and say, no, this is not okay. And go an untraditional route and getting a team around him in his third year, the like a top draft pick making the playoffs in his third year. We haven't seen since what Duncan or Donovan Mitchell or something like that. I, I don't know. Like it's, it's very soon um, for, for this to be happening. So, you know, kudos to, to them for letting this happen because it's only going to make your franchise player that much more happy. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to say that. Um, but yeah, this is full rain for you shuffling every single minute. It seems like, bro, you guys are in though. That's happy. Sort of talk me through, you know, you were climbing the ranks, you know, 10 to nine when that, you know, struggle was happening now yeah. in the upper half of the playoff picture is do my eyes deceive me sort of speak on that. And then your preference or recommendations, what are you seeing from the standings list right now? I'd be shocked if the Hawks didn't finish fourth in the East only because okay. they have two games left and they're both very winnable games. Let's see here. Uh, Magic Rockets, okay? So they'll win both of those games. Miami's right behind them. They have three games left. 76ers, Milwaukee, Detroit. So there's potential to lose at least one of those games. Uh, The Knicks, they do have the tiebreaker over the Hawks, uh, unfortunately. But they have Charlotte and Boston left. And you know Boston's going to be all out in that last game of the season. I mean, they're they're in a very precarious position. Boston's seven right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Staring at it right now. So yeah, it looks like the four, five, six is kind of up for grabs at the moment. Do you yeah. have a first round preference? Cause obviously you want to go as far as possible uh, to end this season on top. What are your expectations? How strategically do you want to be? And what, what is your preference overall for the Hawks? Their route? I don't see Miami losing in the first round this year. Me neither. No way. So I want to play the Knicks and yeah. it's not for Knicks fans because I, I actually really appreciate what they've done this year. I hope. Yeah. I hope all NBA fans, NBA fans can appreciate what the Knicks have done with Tom Thibodeau this year. But 100%. yeah, I want to play the Knicks. I think that's a winnable series, even if it takes six games. Um, Julius Randle versus that front court we have would be so oh, fun. Oh, man. So fun. Seeing all three uh, of you guys trying to take Julius, like that is a crowd for him. Yeah. Well, first oh, round. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I like your chances there. And, you know, Derek Rose versus uh, Trey and RJ Barrett. Like, uh, that's it. That's fun. That's really, really fun. Seriously. Mm-hmm. And tune into that one. The Hawks had the Hawks lost to the Knicks in overtime two and a half, three weeks ago. Wow. But but the Hawks were up ten in the fourth quarter before Trey rolled his ankle. Okay. And then they went to overtime and lost in New York. Man. Now we have Trey back. Dude, that by the way, that ankle injury, they said he'd be out for four to six weeks. He came back in eight days. Wow. Eight days. That's so, different. Oh, I saw that ankle too. That was that was ugly. Yeah, you don't, you know, nobody likes ankle injuries. And no one does. The fact that Trey was able to come back from that, and I know they lost to the Knicks then, and they also lost another game of the Knicks without Trey in between that game and when he came back. Yeah. So that's why we don't have the tiebreaker. But that also could help the Hawks, too, because if and when they play the Knicks in the playoffs, yes. They haven't had a whole lot of exposure to the Hawks team with Trey Young. Yeah. And the exposure that they have had, they weren't getting their ass kicked, but they were losing. Yeah. Right up until the fourth quarter. Agreed. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, dude, that'll be fun. Derek Rose, playoff time. Sheesh. You don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm like 100% in agreement with you. Uh, ideally for you guys, Hawks-Knicks is preferable. 
um, and the Heat sliding down to that six spot, and you have Bucks Heat in the first round, three six. Like I don't, that could go the distance. Uh, that everyone knows really that. Could go the distance. Oh, one hundred percent will. Fun series. Um, but I think we both know the answer to this. I mean, I know kind of the ceiling of where this team can go. But what is a successful season? Uh, you know, uh, as we as we end the season, kind of here for for you guys. That is the best question you've asked me today. I try. I don't know, man. I, do, I, I don't do know research. because. Yeah, because no, I don't know. I, I think it's pretty clear cut. Don't say something blasphemous now. I, I'm not going to say anything blasphemous, but we've talked about a lot of this podcast, how the Hawks were stuck in mediocrity for like a decade. And if the Hawks go out and they lose in the first round or they lose in the second oh, yeah. round, it's going to remind me a lot of those years. Like we weren't, yeah. just weren't able to get over the hump. But the saving grace with that is well, this team is so young. Like oh, It's different. It's a new era. Okay. Yeah. So I think the season will be considered a success if they won in the first round. Okay. I, that's my answer. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. If they lose in the first round, I would be really disappointed because I know how hard the Hawks have worked this season to get to this point. Yeah. Um, so I really don't want to see us lose to the Knicks. If we end up losing to Miami in the first round, I'd feel a little bit better because I know yeah. how good Miami is. Yeah. They were in the championship for a reason last year. Um, but all together, yeah, the Hawks really, really, really should get out of the first round for to call the season a success. 100% looking at the schedule. Yeah, I, I'm rooting for them. I think they do have a favorable, favorable matchup. I mean, is there any reports or because on the West, on, on the West side of things, uh, looks like DeAndre Ayton, I just checked my phone before this, he's going to sit out an ankle and, and Suns fans are tweeting like, oh, they're tanking the rest of the season to move down to three or, or something like that to, uh, you know, avoid <laughs> the Lakers or whatever. Just crazy stuff like that. I, I don't know if you guys uh, would, would even consider like going down to five or maybe even six, sitting Trey, resting him. It sounds ludicrous, but like everyone's resting, uh, e- even 24 if they can play. So I, I, which doesn't make sense to me, but do you think they would do that, especially to rest that ankle a little bit? I don't know. Um, no, I don't. I know the Hawks, like we just said, have two winnable games to, yes. to end the season. Yeah, the but Magic I, I the Rockets, yeah. I don't want to take any risks, and the Hawks really shouldn't either. Exactly. To, to, uh, to sit him and then end up playing Miami in the first round. Dude, we took a risk. We sat AD uh, last night against the Rockets, and Mr. Kelly Olenek or some, like uh, Alshon Brooks or someone like that drop in like 35 or something, and uh, of course comes down to Kyle Kuzma with the game winner. Like, we always love Sketchy. to see that, right? Sketchy. sketchy to say the least my friend yeah uh, i was so, shocked when the when the lakers benched ad last night i was really surprised because i, I, I actually wanted them to i wanted them to if lebron was playing because you're right i don't trust without those two guys and we don't have schroeder and i'm a big schroeder guy i'm a big fan of schroeder this season that's a different subject um but i, I like we don't have our best three guys like what do you expect so i mean we let them hang around and you know glad it happened as it did but do i want to face the clippers and win these games in the first round i don't i don't know um anyways back on, on target here um we're definitely going to talk about uh you, you know the east you know in a, in a different episode uh, i've got you on for another one uh we can move on to sort of the future i'll just let you continue the story you know successful season or not you still got business decisions to make uh your franchise guy uh, fortunately enough is at a black friday discount for eight million uh, you guys are uh, up and down about, but just tell me about the decisions you have moving forward, how you're feeling about this cap space um, and, you know, just what, what decisions, any free agents you like, just go, just go at it. Yeah. Uh, well, that, the big one is John Collins. What are we going to do? Yes, with him? of course. We're going to retain him. 
We gonna let him go and try and replace him? But with who? You know, that's a great question. Eighteen and eight on the season. You got it. How do you assess that into a dollar amount? Eighteen and eight with yeah, decent exactly. shooting. Yeah. No, I know. I, it, I, I am. I'm a lot it, big into money. Okay. I, I'm not oh, yeah. trying to strap this team financially. No. For the next go ahead years. and put your Travis hat on, and I, I want you to. What What are you doing? What are you doing with the first business decision you got to make? Got to find people like Bogdan who you can go get for half price. And, yep. and, and end up with more value than what you paid for. That's what you got to go do because all of the big market teams, they're okay with giving max contracts to superstars to, just because they can. And also the superstars want to go there. Exactly. Now the Hawks are in this precarious position where they're, yes, the market's growing. We've talked about that, but they're probably not going to go out and be able to sign Giannis. Okay. It's, yeah. it's, and I know he signed the extension and I need a better example, but yeah, yeah. that's just not the number one option. And who knows if you do end up signing another superstar to replace John Collins, how that person's going to fit with Trey. Because John Collins seems to fit in really well with this Hawks team. And that's kind of why I do want to retain him. Um, but if you are going to upgrade this Hawks roster in a serious way, I think it would be John Collins. Yeah. Um, the backcourt's fine. If you're really going to upgrade this team, replace John Collins. Okay. With who? Um, that could, that's a whole other discussion, though. I, I do want to talk about, you know, the team construction as a whole. Whatever happens, you know, this playoffs, it's going to be fantastic for, for the Hawks. You'll get as much notoriety as you can get winning around, losing around. Um, from an outsider, obviously as much outside, literally on the opposite side of the coast, looking at the Atlanta Hawks, um, I would challenge you on the backcourt being fine because you talk about the defense that McMillan's been able to instill. Your frontcourt defenders are solid, and you can lead drivers to Capella. And, and get it taken care of. But I, I almost, I don't want to be disrespectful and compare it to a 2017 Celtics situation where you are literally hiding IT on defense in the playoffs. Is there truth to that? Is there a need to, because we talked about nine guys in, in scoring 10 points or more. Is there a necessity to get perimeter defenders? Is it glaring yet to make that next step? Because you do have a, a defensive liability almost in Trey. What do you have to say to that? Um, you, you make a good point because Trey is a liability on defense. Yeah, it is what it is. We still have to keep him on the court. Of course. However, I think given the health of DeAndre Hunter, he's going to be the okay. one to guard the other team's best player. Okay. Now, ideally, yes, we could definitely use another backcourt stud to play some defense, even if it's off the bench. But the Hawks also made a really sneaky move that hasn't panned out at all only because of injury. But Chris Dunn. Yeah. Okay. He was a stud defensively for Chicago yeah. last year. Oh, really, yeah. really good. I think he came close to leading the league in steals last year. You can fact check me on that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Is he yeah. out with an Achilles or he was out for something? Yeah, he was out for something. Like he had several setbacks. I think it was his foot or his ankle or something. But I think he just came back and we'll see him in the playoffs, hopefully, if he can stay oh, okay. healthy. Good to know. But um, I'm thinking somebody like that who we can add on to the, just the depth moving into next year would be great because I don't want to have to replace another starter just for defensive purposes. I think Bogdan is, is, is good enough to play defense. Trey's not, but you got to have them both on the court. DeAndre Hunter will guard the other team's best player, whether that be KD when we play Brooklyn or whoever. Um, and then you have the front court to, to lock down the paint. So defensively, I mean, like I said, we're second in defensive efficiency in the NBA over the past two and a half months. And that's, with Trey on the court in every fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, maybe, but it depends who it is. You know what I'm saying? 
Chris Dunn, um, while, while you were speaking, he actually made a season debut, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but he had a minutes limit, things like that. He saw 13 minutes against the Pistons. Uh, you know, he's, he was, he was, he was replacing Trey Young. So I don't know if it's a little too early to see him in the playoff rotation. So we'll see, but you're right. Uh, Chris Dunn's, uh, you know, kind of a good replacement for that. Um, and, you know, his team's on the rise, man. I think, you know, you still have cap space. Um, so you were, we were mentioning players like uh, kind of like similar to bogey. Uh, do you have players in mind? Like that, that yeah. you would, you would, you would love to see, you know, put on a Hawks uniform. You know who I really, really want um, in terms of a veteran that I think would be a really good fit? Uh, yeah. DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. So if, I want him too. <laughs> yeah, I know you do. Yeah. 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 I and really uh, want him too. he could fit in with a, a bunch of NBA teams. Oh, the teams. You, you slide him into the four spot. You got another shooter. You got a great defender. He's not the biggest four, but he'll at get the, the four? DeRozan at the four? He plays the four in San Antonio sometimes. Really? I know he's, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know he's, uh, DeJounte has the ball in his hands. Taking Aldridge part. minutes. Yeah. But um, yeah, DeMar's been working on his post game. I've been watching a lot of Spurs games on League Pass. Yeah. I had DeJounte in fancy, so I was all over that shit. But yeah. Uh, he's a good one. Let me see. Um, if you guys got DeMar, that is a new dimension of, you know, of, of the ceiling you could crack. I, I think that elevates, there, there's a top four in the East. If you, uh, I, I think you uphold the Knicks, honestly, and you're in that Miami kind of, kind of Knicks like region right there. And that would just add on to the, the veteran presence that the Hawks really don't have right now. They don't. You know? That's a good point. I, I think, I think DeMar is just a much better Danilo Gallinari. And yeah. Gallo has been a great veteran presence for us too. I've heard a lot of things coming out of the Hawks locker room saying like Gallo is, is there in terms of veteran leadership all the yeah. time to teach these young guys, like how to behave on and off the court. You know, that's just Gallo's role. Yeah. Um, and, and I think DeMar would, would also fit that mold really, really well. Um, I honestly don't think he'll stay in San Antonio. Uh-huh. I, I don't think, uh, I, I don't think so good, either. I know he's a good fit there, but he, he wants to win a championship. Agreed. Um, I was, uh, so. I was lo- looking at you also, you get off Lou Williams's books and Tony Snell's. Uh, which is fantastic. Collins obviously included Solomon Hill and, and Brandon Goodwin as well. So there is a lot to, uh, you know, fill here uh, and a lot, a lot of tradable contracts. I don't know if Hunter is tradable, but I'm sure you guys want to keep him. Um, Trey Young on 8 million. He's untouchable. Uh, Reddish, Dunn, uh, Herder, you know, it's for maybe an upgrade or so. And then your big three kahunas, which is uh, Gallinari, Bogdanovich and Compella. Mm-hmm. Um do you see one of those top three getting traded? You, because you, you guys are locked into them long term. Between... I can see Gallo getting traded for sure. Yeah, okay. Do, do you yeah, the think... Hawks paid him way yeah. too much money. And, and he had a good season. And he had a good season, though. Yeah. No, he did. Yeah, definitely. It still paid him way he, too much he money. Lived so, him, yeah. he, he lived up to his contract, Like, would you say? This year, for sure. Yeah, he did. How, remind me, how many years is Gallo under contract? So he, he's his last... Oh, maybe it's a different... Uh, it's not. So he has a non-guaranteed $21 million next year. Uh, non-guaranteed the following year 22 23 so okay. he's he's guaranteed for 20.4 million next season yeah that's way too much and yes i'd love to <laughs> trade him but i don't know who's gonna be willing to give us anything for that contract um, that's definitely and he's he still serves a like i said good role both on and off the court but that's somebody i could see getting moved yeah absolutely um quick quickly before we uh wrap this up i want to i want to name some of your favorite uh your joe johnson moments let's go back in the time caps a little bit 
give me give me a top three give me a top three there's a lot of them i you know personally we talked about to open this podcast me watching that laker game and him and kobe yeah of course at it i think that's got to be my number one memory yeah number two gosh what year is this uh the hawks got swept by the Cavs in the second round of the playoffs yeah but in game one of that series in game <laughs> the, the one moral of victories series, baby the moral on victories the, on the road in cleveland joe johnson was trying his best to close that game out <laughs> and lebron just wasn't having it okay he just wasn't that's your having best it. memory the effort the effort was there yeah, no, because well, I really thought the Hawks could have a chance at LeBron because they had seen him oh, every yeah. year for the past like four years. And I'm like, well, this has got to be the year. You know, the Hawks have grown so much. Amazing. And then uh, Joe Johnson came so close to closing out that game one. They lost. I said, you know, the writing's on the wall. <laughs> but uh, the fact that the, uh, uh, Iso Joe was right there with LeBron and that. The valiant game, effort. That's all that matters. <laughs> it was so much fun to watch. And, and yeah, Amazing. I'll remember that one for a while. Um, third... I don't know. There's a lot, man. I think um, you have to think playoffs. You really do. When the Hawks closed out, let me see. Let me see what year this. I don't want to get, mislead anybody here. Two thousand, two thousand nine. When the Hawks closed out the Bucks in seven. Oh, okay. Who was on that, that team taking the Hawks? to seven on in milwaukee that's crazy milwaukee didn't michael red jesus yeah 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 they definitely had michael red back then did they have um monte at the time they could have oh monte was on the team in 2014 yeah they could have had monte yeah, i don't remember I monte playing in the playoffs in for milwaukee though mm, i can't remember but i know they shipped him off to golden state yeah soon after shortly that. after yeah um but that no. series against the Bucks, Iso Joe was incredible, and that was one of the most fun. I remember too because we were um, uh, traveling around for AAU. Uh, I was, it, you were, you and I were both in IYBL that. Yeah, that yeah, year, good times. Out. So yeah, that was fun, and I remember just kind of waiting for our games to start on my phone, watching, watching those it. Hawks Bucks games in that seven game series. Incredible, Joe Johnson. That entire series was so much fun to watch. Yeah, that was 2010, actually. 2009, 2010. 2000, yep, yep, yep. Fantastic. Um, I do want to ask you uh, sort of your kind of projections, like NBA playoffs-wise, like as a whole, what, what are your impressions? You talked about the Suns a little bit, but tell me any immediate thoughts before we like get into the playoffs. Like what are you expecting? Any upset potential? You're a big upset guy, uh, always always have been. What, 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 is, uh, what are some of your takes quickly uh, for, for the championship round? Yeah, yeah. So I've I've been standoffish with Brooklyn this whole season up until yeah. like maybe a month and a half ago when it, when I realized like Philly <laughs> might be a little fake. And I agree. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's Embiid kind of being here, being not you know whenever he's playing, you never really know. I know he's going to be there in the playoffs, but I think Brooklyn's going to win the East, okay, handedly. Um, and whoever they end up playing in the West. It's going to be fun, man. It, it could be the Lakers, could be the Clippers. Okay. I, I would predict the Lakers, and I'm not just saying that to appease you. This is your show. I promise. I'm not just saying that for this. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. But I've, You don't, I've you don't see anyone else being a contender in the West, like, at all? No, I absolutely – Clippers, for sure. I definitely no, no, see the Clippers. No, but besides those two, though. Uh, Denver's not going to do anything. 
Utah or Phoenix are not impressing you? Utah, Utah's uh, not? No, Utah's not impressing me. Wow. Um, yeah, I think Utah's probably the fakest team in the West, honestly. <laughs> uh, uh, Portland's always been... Up and down. We had that team. Yeah, you never know. Uh, dude, I'd love to see Dan actually do something. Dallas is always one, two guys away, man, for the last God knows how many years. Yeah, Porzingis just wasn't it. Just, it just was opinion. not it. Yeah. No, that's that's kind of aligned with my kind of thoughts too. My only difference, my only shock. I'm surprised, you know, you, you have a, you know, you went the steady pick right there. I actually do. I'm holding on to my pick. I'm probably wrong, but like, I really think Milwaukee. It's it's this year for Giannis. I think they're gonna outlast Brooklyn in a tough one. I think the defensive capabilities. What's people are like? Okay, well, Giannis chokes in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. What's different about this year? I know it's another year. Giannis is another year stronger, another year developed shooter, and you're adding on Drew Holiday, all-world defender, P.J. Tucker, close to all-world defender. Um, and that's as I can't, I can't construct a team under the cap space more better to defend a, a, a five-man lineup like the true. Brooklyn Nets than the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm putting my faith in them. That's, that's true, but still, nobody can guard KD. No one can guard KD. Still. And no one. For the most part still nobody can guard James Harden either. Yeah. And you can kind of say the same thing about Kyrie as, as good as Milwaukee is on defense. And I agree with you. They've, they've constructed their team perfectly on that end of the ball. Um, I I just think Giannis lacks something in my eyes. Maybe it's a killer instinct, something like that. He gets nervous. You can see it. And will he do that again? It's very much possible. If you, if you fast forward and told me, Oh, back in the day, like, you know, the year 2021, he choked again. I would believe you, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and Milton can score the shit out of oh, the ball. 50, 40, 90 all day. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I just yeah. think that you're right because, but if, if I put PJ Tucker uh, on KD, or if I put Giannis on KD, if I put PJ Tucker on um, Harden, on Harden, and Drew Holiday on Kyrie, and you threw that game away and they played, and I had no idea what was going on, if you to- woke me up, and told me the Nets won by 40, I would believe you. If you told me that the, the Bucks won by eight, I would believe you. Hmm. And, and they good way to say that, yeah. All three of them were held to 35% shooting. I would believe you. That's mm-hmm. that's how much of a toss-up it is. You can go explosion on offense or the defense can outlast. We don't know, but I'm really excited for that matchup. The Sixers are pretenders. I agree with you. The question mark for me in the wild card is the heat. Cause every time Jimmy Butler opens his mouth. I just want more of that pause. I yeah. mean, like, you know, what, what he's talking about in terms of his team performance, he's going to bring it um, and his team's going to bring it. And I believe him and he showed it last year. There's no reason I should doubt him. Um, I just don't know where they're going to land. I think it's pretty much the same Miami Heat team we saw last same. year make the finals. Exactly. The exact same. same. I mean, they've added a couple ancillary pieces here and there, but it's the same Heat team that made the finals last year. And to be honest with you, if they were able to beat Milwaukee last year without Drew Holiday, I, I think they might have a tougher time beating Milwaukee with Drew Holiday, but they could still get the job done. Jimmy could do whatever he wants when it's playoff time. Um, and they definitely won't lose in the first round, in my humble opinion. So if they end up playing Milwaukee, boy, I can't wait to watch Oof, that. That would, t- that would be tough, 100%. I'm excited for that to go to distance. But uh, uh, that is all. That's going to do it for this episode of the Uncharted Pod. Miles, I want to thank you so much uh, for future – Hall of Famer, hopefully Trey Young, uh, hopefully retiring as a Hawk. Um, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really appreciate this. Good karma.
Please don't put that bad one on me, though. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got, we got good juju, okay? Juju. We have really good juju, okay? But Chuck, season 11. thank you for having me on, man. I'm excited. Uh, is there anything you want to plug before uh, you know we hop off here? I know yes. you're an entrepreneurial guy. Yes. I just started a uh, small business down here in Phoenix, downtown Phoenix. It's called I Am Kebab. Okay, if anybody's hungry, stop by downtown Phoenix. If you're in town, I'm going to have um, a whole ass venue ready for the kebabs. It's in downtown Phoenix. It's called the Pemberton. Uh, we're also selling t-shirts too. They're going to be on Amazon this upcoming week. Hit us up on Instagram. I am underscore kebab. That's K-A-B-O-B. Um, if anybody's ever had a kebab in their life, and I know they have, most people, <laughs> you know how good these damn things are. I make oh, yeah. the best ones, okay? I make yeah, the do. best kebabs on planet Earth. So... I am Kebab. T-shirts on Amazon coming up this week. Stop by the Pemberton if you're ever in Phoenix. I got you. There you have it, guys. The key in life is not life, lemonade, whatever you want to call it, money, success. It is free advertising. And there you go. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Miles. Once again, that's going to do it. I'll put all his uh, links, his Kebab stuff, his shirts in the description, wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, super excited to learn about the Atlanta Hawks. I'm super glad for you coming on, teaching me a lot of stuff about, you know, being a fan and nothing but continued success, uh, not only for this postseason, but for the future. Um, you know, thank you guys for listening once again. And, you know, we'll touch base on the next episode. We're going to be ramping up a lot more episodes really soon with the playoffs coming soon. We have a lot of things to discuss our end of the year awards, who won MVP, uh, who's going to get on the all NBA team, uh, playoff predictions, first round, second round, what's going to happen. Um, are the, are, are the nets going to make it through? Are they going to get chemistry before they can? Are the Lakers going to get chemistry? Is Luca going to achieve another level we haven't seen before and shock the world? Very exciting stuff to happen. Uh, thank you guys again. And uh, I'm signing off. Take it easy guys. Go Hawks. Thanks, Chef.